Hello and welcome to You Are Not Alone. You Are Not Alone is a one-with-one horror actual play podcast. I'm Blaine, your host and RPG-loving friend. For the front matter, if you like what you hear, please consider rating and reviewing us on whatever podcatcher you use. It really helps other folks find us. If you'd like to ask a question, recommend a game, be a guest, or just say hi, you can reach me on Twitter at notalone underscore har, or through the email youarenotalonepod at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. You may have noticed something strange, maybe even a little unsettling, in the feed earlier this week. My new podcast, Greetings from Stability, dropped on Halloween Day. Greetings from Stability is a world-building actual play podcast. A group of us are sitting down to play a bunch of different games to build out the history of a creepy little island town off the coast of Oregon. The first two episodes are going up in the You Are Not Alone feed. If you like what you hear, we'd love if you go over and subscribe to Greetings from Stability on whatever podcatcher you use. This week, we're actually getting into the game of Mothership that I played with the incredible artist Billy Blue. Ivan is an android that has been sent out to investigate the UMV Sedae, a textile ship owned by Klein Manufacturing Industries, which has gone radio silent. Strangely, even though communications have ceased entirely, the textiles the ship manufactures still arrive on time. Ivan is a regular Klein freelancer who specializes in exploring derelict ships. Let's see what Ivan finds. There is a ship out in deep space uh, called the UMV Sidae, S-I-D-A-E. Um, it is a ship owned by the Klein Manufacturing Industries. Um, and it is a uh, a ship that's used to mass produce clothing that is then sold on like the core worlds. Did you say clothing? Yes, clothing. Oh, so it's like a factory ship. Yeah, it's a factory ship that mass produces clothing, and then uh, it is shipped out uh, to be sold. Cool. So the UMV, uh, which stands for Universal Manufacturing Vessel. Uh, UMV today um, has gone radio silent recently. The clothes that it produces are still being shipped out. Huh. But when Klein Manufacturing Industries attempts to contact them, there is no response. Hmm. So the kind of two ways we could play this, depending on how you view Ivan, um, it sounds maybe more like you are uh, an android that works for Klein, who is being sent to investigate this uh, radio silence. Um, or if you want to be, it could be that you're like a freelancer hired by Klein, or you could be more of a, uh, a little bit more of a pirate who has found this sort of ship floating out in space that is not responding to any of your hails and you see a potential payday. Mm -hmm. uh, how do you see Ivan as related to this ship? Hmm. You know, I think that, um, I think he, he works for the Klein manufacturing group. Maybe, maybe not directly. I, I think it would be a neat idea if he was almost like a freelancer but still working, you know, with that company. 
so that he has a little bit of autonomy and, and he's not, you know, too tied into the corporate structure of it, but he definitely has, he's on a job and he's got someone he's reporting to because they hired him. I like that a lot. I think that's a cool, you're sort of, uh, you know, a general freelancer, uh, particularly in like, you know, one of the, one of the thoughts is that maybe like their communication system is just malfunctioning. Mm-hmm. Um, at which point some, someone who has computer skills would be very useful in, uh, getting that reestablished. Yeah. And not to mention that I think, uh, Androids would be a good choice for these kind of jobs because they are so hardy and to some people expendable. So he, he has a lot of work available to him of this kind, uh, just because, you know, there's a lot of jobs he can do. Yeah, I like that. I think that makes perfect sense. Oh, I notice here it says level and rank slash title. Do I need to worry about that yet? Uh, no, level is you start out, I think, at level zero. Okay. And then you gain gain experience as you survive missions. Mm-hmm. Um, rank and title, I, I think as a freelancer, you probably don't have a rank and title. That would be more like if you are part of the actual corporate structure. Mm-hmm. Okay. You might have a ranker title, but I think um, as a freelancer. Gotcha. And then uh, last question, uh, resolve here on the sheet. Yeah, so your resolve starts at zero. If you gain resolve somehow, like that's one thing that usually you gain as you level up. Mm -hmm. It is a like static negative modifier to your stress level. Oh, okay. So it lets you treat your stress as slightly lower than it actually is. Kind of the anti-stress. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. So if you end up with like a two resolve from leveling up, then like you subtract two from your stress numbers when it comes to like making panic checks. Very cool. The actual result of your panic roll. Gotcha. Oh, you know what? I just noticed um, Android on the section three of the character sheet. It says plus two points. And I think I used three. Oh, yeah, I must have misread that. Um, I'm not super worried about that. I, you're a solo character. Uh, okay. So we'll let you keep that extra skill point. All right, cool. I'm interested to see, like, I've run Mothership a couple times now, and I'm interested to see if it's actually harder or easier as a single player, because, like, obviously you don't have other people whose skills you can repl- rely upon. Mm-hmm. But you also have less people to influence your stress and panic rolls. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, So I don't actually know how that's going to play out. Uh, And like I said when we were talking earlier, um, if it looks like it really needs needs a second player, I will introduce uh, potentially another another person to help you. But I I think you're probably going to be fine. Cool. So yeah, we'll get started. what, What does... My first question for you, uh, as we kind of enter into this world. So I imagine as a freelancer, um, Ivan probably has a pretty small ship that can, mm-hmm. you know, be run by a single person, mm-hmm. um, plus any computer systems. What does Ivan's ship look like? Yeah, I think it's uh, pretty no nonsense. I think that he doesn't have a lot of use for, say, a kitchen. So he kind of got the 
the ship that can do the job that he needs and no frills. Um, he basically just needs a place, a, a way to get from point A to point B safely and quickly. Awesome. I love the idea of like one of those little like mini half cars. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some people that's... drive just as a spaceship. Yeah, yeah. But he's he's got like a mini Cooper of a spaceship. I like that. That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, you, it took it, it is, and I mean, there's there's there are questions to be asked about why this manufacturing vessel is so far out. Uh, seems unnecessary for it to be so far away. So it takes, I think, about a week after you leave the headquarters of Klein Manufacturing Industries mm-hmm. to get out to where this vessel is. And it's a slow week. There's not really anything of note that happens. You are traveling so far out into the middle of nowhere that there's not really anyone to harass you. And it's a clothing manufacturer ship, so it's not like there are a lot of pirates, uh, space pirates, looking to rob a ship that makes clothes. Mm -hmm. And you get out there, and it is this very large ship that looks almost like an egg. Um, it's, you know, this oval shape uh, with two large engines sticking off of the back. And it looks like uh, an entry to the uh, ship bay in the back half of the egg. What is one thing that Ivan notices uh, that shows that this ship has started to kind of fall into disrepair. Hmm. Um, I think he notices that a ship like this would normally have a certain amount of um, activity and, you know, like blinking lights and maybe even small drones kind of buzzing around it. You know how the, the tiny fish like to attach to the bottom of a shark? Yes. I like to think that there's usually some hum of activity, whether it's drones or, uh, I don't know, space Minox, you know, and he notices there's some activity, but significantly less than he would expect to see. Okay. I love the idea of it being like a biological thing. Yeah, I feel like it has almost like a, obviously a metal body, but it almost has like a semi-organic skin stretched across the metal surface just for because yeah space purposes yeah because it looks unsettling exactly exactly (laughs) yeah and like there are there's this like breed of space creature and like maybe this Mm -hmm. is why they put that skin on there um because like as it gets dirty if it were just metal, these like space fish essentially mm-hmm. would pay no attention to it. Uh-huh. But because there's this skin, they like attach themselves to it and like help clean the outside of the ship. Yeah. Yeah. It's a nice symbiotic, you know? Uh, yeah. You know what I, I like to think is that it's a protective coating for space junk. And these little guys, they like to go around and clean it. And that's kind of the symbiotic relationship they have. Whereas they wouldn't if it was just pure metal. 
they would avoid it. But you trick these uh, space fish into thinking that it's somewhat biological, and so they're happy just to stick on there and clean. Yeah, I love it. That is weird and unsettling in a beautiful, like, H.R. Geiger sort of <laughs> yeah. way. Yeah. So, yeah, you you start approaching the ship, and there you see, and, like, I feel like that's a good, also, like, indicator that there's something unhealthy about the skin mm-hmm. that has been wrapped around this ship. Is that, like, there are a few of these... I'm just going to call them minnows. Uh, that is the name that they've been given, at least colloquially. Um, there are some of these minnows that are attached and like pulling themselves across the ship to clean it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are significantly fewer than there normally would be, mm-hmm. uh, which shows that like there might be something wrong with the skin that is causing some issues or. You know, if it's an organic material, there's probably things that the ship needs to do to, like, keep it healthy. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the ship does not seem to be doing those things. Yeah, yeah, I like that. And so you approach, what do you do do as you approach the ship? Uh, I think he uh, does, like, a a quick kind of once-around to go around the entire ship to view it from every angle. And I think that's probably a pretty standard move he does as a way to see like, is there any damage or, you know, just to get a lay of the land. So he does one nice big loop to observe every side of the ship until he comes back around to, you know, the, the, uh, port, uh, the opening that he was already approaching. And I think he's gearing up to kind of, you know, go in there. Okay. Uh, so yeah, you, uh, you do a once over and again, like the ship looks, it doesn't look like there's anything necessarily mechanically wrong. Okay. With the ship itself. I think you, you see some like dings and stuff, but that's pretty normal for a ship of this size. Uh, like, you know, small meteors and stuff like that aren't, aren't going to do any kind of substantial damage, but, uh, they're also hard to avoid when you have like a large manufacturing ship. Uh, and so there's like little dents and dings here and there. As you kind of go around your surroundings and like look at this, you do see that this bio skin is starting to like go a little bit gray and is almost like puckering up and like pulling tight against the hull of the ship it needs some space moisturizer yeah it is it's it looks like it's and i imagine that's probably the biggest thing that they have to do is there's probably like a system that feeds water out to the surface of the ship Mm -hmm. to keep it like moisturized and alive and healthy um and it is starting to show signs that it is very much not being taken care of and even I think the like space minnows, um, I imagine them as kind of like long, flat, almost fish like thing, like the closest thing that space could approximate to a fish. Mm-hmm. Um, and like even they are starting to turn like a sickly color. Oh. Like maybe they're some of the older minnows and they don't have 
the energy to like travel to a new ship to feed on. Uh, and so they are, they are remaining here, but it is not providing them with the sustenance that they require. So even they're starting to look a little sickly. Ooh, or maybe it's even, uh, maybe it's even making them sick. Yeah. I like that. It is, it is not good for them, but they're too weak to mm-hmm. change course. Now they're kind of, uh, they're kind of feeding off of a corpse that's poisoning them. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And you see that. I think they, I think they're normally like a bright, vibrant yellow. And now they've turned into this like kind of sickly pale yellow, like a, like an old egg yolk. Ooh. Gotcha. I like to think that Ivan is, you know, recording all this data, like, entering it somewhere into a computer like he's he's keeping track of all of this information in real time okay just as his habit just he just always does that yeah so you're you're entering the data you're um i imagine you could take some readings and you can see that like especially if this is common practice in space like you can tell that it's probably been like a month or two since the the skin has been properly moisturized okay uh, based on the discoloration. And how does that compare to the amount of time since we lost contact with the station? Uh, it, it, it tracks pretty close. Okay. Communication may have dropped off a little bit before that. Mm-hmm. Um, but right about the same time. It's probably been about two months since there's been any kind of return mm-hmm. communication. And I think that, like, it's far enough away, like I said, it takes about a week to get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I imagine that it's probably, like, maybe twice a month they send shipments of clothing back to the main worlds. Mm-hmm. And so with two months, there's been four shipments that have come from this vessel. Are the shipments uh, irregular in any way? No, no, they are uh, 100% exactly what was asked for. Um, you know, it's pretty, I think that Klein manufacturers isn't doing like, uh, you know, like runway clothing. It's doing very Mm -hmm. practical clothing. Kind of fast. Uh, what do they call it? Fast fashion. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, pretty standard, you know, whatever the space equivalent of like jeans and a t-shirt is. Gotcha. Uh, does, I don't know if Ivan knows this yet. Um, is the station run by robots or people or creatures or it is uh there is a large android population Mm -hmm. uh doing a lot of the like general labor and like it's all machine machine driven creation at this point okay but for like the you know reloading the machines with the cloth and all of that kind of stuff there's an android population for that Mm -hmm. uh but it is predominantly human run oh okay uh there is a force of, from the information that you were given at the start, uh, there are uh, 50 humans who make the ship home. Okay. And probably, I would say, about 100 androids. Okay. Um, so the androids are generally responsible for maintaining the ship, maintaining the equipment, kind of. A lot of the Teamster work has been assigned out to androids. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just like, like I said, refilling the various machines when they run out of material, uh, bringing the finished cases of 
clothes uh, to the bay to be picked up. All that kind of stuff is handled by androids. Cool. So you come around to the back where the, the ship bay entrance is. And I imagine that, like, this is kind of maybe the point where all of the skin folds in. So, like, the only part of the ship where it's, like, exposed metal is the door to the bay. Because uh, mm-hmm. that needs to be able to open and close to let ships in or out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you come around and, like, that part of the ship is a little bit grimy uh, just because it's the only ship without the skin to be cleaned naturally. And uh, you come up and the door, the door to the bay is currently shut. Okay. Um, you were given an access code when you were hired. Uh, since they weren't sure, it, like, because there's no communication, uh, they mm-hmm. weren't sure what you were going to find. Uh, so they gave you, I'm just going to say the access code is 1234. <laughs> <laughs> They're not terribly uh, tech savvy at Klein Manufacturing Industries. Yeah. And uh, that access code is currently being used on 16 other places. So you might want to change that. It's yeah, that is, yeah. Uh, it is bad business practice. I'm yeah. sure that rankled Ivan a little bit when he learned it. That's funny. Um, yeah, let's, uh, let's enter that bad boy in. Okay. See if we can open it. Um, so you enter kind of the sequence and code on your computer that allows you to connect to uh, the Sade's communication system, and you enter the code. And there is actually something... It seems like maybe it's trying to block hmm. your computer's communication to the ship. You know, there's the kind of... I love the idea that, like, when you make this connection, there's almost that old-school modem sound. <laughs> and in the, like, normal space of time where it would connect, it's hanging on a little bit longer. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm going to have you make a hacking check. Because you have the access code, I'm going to give you advantage on this roll. Similar to kind of like D&D, Mothership has advantage and disadvantage. Uh, so if you have something that would be helpful in the in the completion of your task, I might give you advantage, which means you're going to roll twice and take the lower of the two results. Does have disadvantage too, where if there is something that might hinder you, mm-hmm. Uh, you would roll twice and take the higher of the results since this is a roll under. Mm-hmm. Other thing to note when rolling in Mothership is uh, there are critical hits and critical failures. Uh, that is anytime you roll doubles, mm-hmm. it's a critical. Yeah, and that and the doubles generally trump the other rolls, right? The the number compared to your skill will still determine whether it's a success or failure. Um, but if it's double, mm-hmm. so like, say you need a, a 40 to succeed and you roll a 33, that's going to be a critical success. Uh, if you roll a 66, mm-hmm. that's going to be a critical failure. Mm-hmm. With skill checks, uh, I tend to do critical failures a little bit less than in combat. But if there is something kind of narratively interesting that could come up bad because of the skill check, then I might introduce something. Gotcha. Uh, See, I'm going to have you make a a hacking roll. So you're going to take your intellect uh, and hacking is an advanced Mm -hmm. skill. So you're going to add 15 to that. And then you're going to roll percentiles and you're trying to get under. Um, So it looks like that would be a 49. Uh, 
So you're looking to get under a 49. All right. Since you have advantage, you're going to roll twice and take the lower of the two. Sweet. First roll is, ooh, 44. Second roll. So does that, yeah. that counts as a critical success? Uh, so, I mean, you can roll again. Uh, oh, sweet. It doesn't get much better than that, though, right? The like the amount higher or lower isn't really relevant. Like I said, it's just if it's doubles. Uh huh. Well, Ivan yeah, is nothing so if not right out of the gates with a critical success. So, yeah, I like that. Um, double zero. Okay, eight. so that would have been a success as well. Does that mean one? Uh, that would have been an eight. Gotcha. Okay. Cool. Um, but with a 44, that is going to be a critical success. So yeah, I think you've probably experienced this before, especially a lot of times in like, like derelict ships, um, where like the communication system is just entirely offline. You have found ways to Mm -hmm. kind of create subroutines that let you still access the system to like allow access to the ship. And so you run this subroutine Mm -hmm. and it's able to cut through whatever is kind of trying to keep you from accessing the system. And uh, you see the door to the the ship bay um, slowly begin to open. And it, like, starts to, to lower. Cool. And it is, I think, continuing with the concept of this ship being in kind of disrepair, it is going slower than normal. Um, like the, the machinery has not been well maintained. And so it's struggling to lower the ship bay door, but it does eventually, uh, lower itself. And you see, uh, in front of you, this large ship bay, there current, currently are no ships in it, but you do see, this is where cargo would be picked up. So you do see at the back of this bay, Stacks and stacks of crates that you imagine are filled with clothing uh, that they are getting ready for Mm -hmm. a pickup. Um, I think that there was just a delivery not too long ago, so like the ship has not left. As of the time that you left to come here, the ship had not left uh, to come back and pick stuff up. Okay. And are there any personnel? You do not see any personnel in the in the ship bay at all right now is that normal probably not uh like in a in in a ship like this where it has a like predominantly manufacturing capacity it's not like there's a fleet of ships that are going to need constant maintenance or anything like this so there you wouldn't expect a lot of people in the ship bay um except when they're loading in cargo to be picked up or something like that. But usually there would be at least someone around. Yeah. There's always the guy with the glowing batons, right? Waving them in. Yeah, just, you know, even if it's just a security guard, Mm -hmm. there should be someone here. Noted. So yeah, you're able to guide your ship into the bay. And I think uh, after you've entered the door to the bay begins to rise uh, and close. And you are alone in the ship bay of the UMV Sedae. What do you do? Um, hmm. I think first thing I need to do is get out and do kind of a quick 
survey and just kind of take stock of my situation, kind of like he did with the loop around the ship. Okay. Um, so I, I think I'm going to put her down and look for some kind of a computer terminal or something where I can kind of just see the status of like the various parts of the ship, get a map maybe, um, you know, things like that. That makes sense. Yeah. So you put down an access terminal, uh, and exit your ship. And this is, you know, a pretty standard looking ship bay. It's a large mm-hmm. open space with areas for ships to dock. And then, like I said, at the, at the far end, um, you see stacks of crates and it looks like probably a door leading into the rest of the ship. Mm-hmm. You know, and I picture Ivan having this quality. Oh, by the way, his name is spelled I V N. Excellent. Uh, it's a, uh, what do you call it? An acronym or an abbreviation, an acronym. Yeah. I dot V dot N. I imagine that when he's just moving through the world, he has this quality and he kind of rotates his head slightly just back and forth, almost like a very slow, no motion. And it's because he's constantly just kind of taking in details and surveying. And he's, he's very alert and kind of assessing you know, everything in his field of vision constantly and taking notes, even as he's walking around. Okay. I like that. That, that kind of explains why it's a little unsettling. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He feels, okay. He looks like a, a human, maybe even like a handsome man, but he feels like a security camera. Mm. Yeah. I like that. So I'm, uh, I'm heading to the access station or whatever they want to call it. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, you're able to find, like I said, the, like there, there's the main bay area, and then kind of straight ahead is the cargo bay, and then there's uh, a door to the left and right, mm-hmm. kind of right in front of where the cargo is uh, to exit. But there is like a an access terminal, um, kind of right between where the ships would land and where the cargo is. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna patch into that and see what I can find as far as. Uh, you know, just how check on all the systems of the ship, check on all of the, uh, I, what I'm really looking for is not just the current status of every arm of the ship, but also maybe some kind of a report log uh, okay. to see if any, you know, damage or alarms or anything. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so I'm going to have you roll a computer check here. I, I, you're good enough that this isn't like this isn't to access information at all, but it's kind of to see how much information you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Um, so intellect plus computers. So is that a ten percent bump to my intellect? Yes. So yeah, you'll okay. uh, you're looking for a forty-four or lower. Got it. Oh, not good. Uh, Seventy-six. Okay. So yeah, you're able to get into the system. Uh, without a problem like this isn't a well-protected system Mm -hmm. Uh, there aren't any kind of like industry secrets Mm -hmm. so you're able to kind of check the records all of the systems are operational Hmm. what you do learn like uh so like oxygen and lights and all of that fully operational and fully running the one thing you do see that's weird is the like hydroponic system that keeps the skin of the ship 
thriving mm-hmm. is functional, but it seems to have been diverted away from feeding the skin of the ship hmm. into a hydroponics lab. So the the resources to keep the skin healthy would normally come from the hydroponics lab? Yeah, so like all, all of these ships tend to have hydroponics labs just to like grow uh-huh. food and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so normally they have this like hydro system that feeds both the skin and gives just enough water to the lab to grow food. Okay, but all of the power... And it seems like all of the water now is being diverted to the hydroponics lab. Gotcha. Instead of being split between the two. And the hydroponics lab um, grows food for the humans. Does it serve any other purpose, usually, that I would know about? Probably not. Um... Like, on this ship, like, theoretically, you could grow, like, fibers for making clothes, but I think all of that is normally synthetic. Mm-hmm. So there shouldn't be any reason other than just for growing food for the humans. Gotcha. Um, hmm. You know, I have a question. There's, besides the hydroponics, I'm sure they have, like, a cafeteria to make, you know, make food and feed the humans. Uh, and I imagine it's probably run regularly around the clock. So I guess what Ivan wants to know is he wants a status report regarding the the mess hall. Okay. Yeah. So you, you are able to kind of pull up a map and it looks like this ship is three levels. Mm -hmm. Uh, The level you're currently on is largely storage. Uh, So it's got the, the ship bay. It's got the cargo bay for holding what's ready for pickup. And then, like, water recycling and air recycling and, like, all of that kind of stuff is all on this level. Uh, and then there is a middle level that seems to be, like, the the living quarters. Uh, mm-hmm. So all of the crew quarters. Um, there's a, it looks like a rec room. Uh, the mess hall. All of that kind okay. of stuff is More on residential the level. type stuff. Mm-hmm. The mess hall does seem to be fully operational. How about the... I don't even know if there's a way to see this. The Is it still being used? Is it still putting out food? Is it still... Are resources still being consumed? Are the, you know... Are the potatoes still being, you know, potatoed? And that's why we need to keep growing them? Or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think, I like... I, I don't think you can get necessarily the full answer to is it still being used. Okay. Uh, I do think you can find like the ship inventory. Okay. Yeah. And you do That's... see that like food stuff is being added. Uh, theoretically, uh, stuff that's grown, stuff that's dropped off uh, when ships come to pick up the materials, uh, and it is being decreased, uh, like it's being consumed. Oh, okay. That's yeah. That's pretty much what I was looking for. Ivan Ivan figures humans usually need to eat food. So let's see if they're still eating their food. Uh, it does seem that way. The, the systems seem to point in that direction. Okay. Um, cool. And then the final floor. So like this is the top floor. The middle floor is uh, the living quarters. And then the bottom floor seems to be the manufacturing level. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do see that's where the hydroponics lab is. 
uh, as well as uh, mostly bays, like machine bays, where the clothing is being produced. Okay. And everything you said was operational. Yes. Yeah. It looks like everything is all all systems are operational, even the ones that like are being used incorrectly. Okay. Oh, you know what? And I should have asked this earlier. What is my exact uh, directive in this job? So your directive is to uh, essentially find out why communications have ceased. And okay. if it is fixable to fix it. Hmm. Uh, so like they're hoping that it isn't that everyone is dead. <laughs> yeah. Which is, you know, one potential reason as to why communications would cease entirely. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if they are, they need to know that to send out a new crew. Yeah. Um, but like, it doesn't seem like everyone's dead because the, the clothes are still coming. Yeah. Um, so largely it is for you to find out why they have stopped communicating. And from my check, the communication systems are still functional, right? Yes. Okay. Um, the, they are functional, which, you know, leads to a question of why, like they're, they're getting the phone calls. They're just not returning them or like answering them. Gotcha. And that could be like the system shows as functional. That doesn't mean that there isn't necessarily an issue with it. Mm -hmm. Um, so like if, if you came here and found out that it's an issue with the communications, like you have the tech know how to fix that. Yeah. Uh, so largely your mission is to resume communications or let Klein industries know that everyone's dead and potentially find out why that is. Gotcha. Um, and then besides like, uh, shipping and such, uh, what else is on this top level? Uh, really just overall storage. So it seems like there are tanks mm-hmm. to hold the water. There's systems to recycle the water. There's some general storage. Okay. Uh, like I said, it's pretty much a storage level. Uh, so there's the cargo bay. There's mm-hmm. some storage, like storage rooms. And then like the systems that store and recycle oxygen and water. And gotcha. All of the stuff that the ship needs. Okay. Um, I think everything seems operational. Huh. I think Ivan's, I think his next thought is to head to the communications bay to figure out, he wants to send a message to his bosses to basically say, I'm here on the ship in the communications bay. So we know they're functioning. He just wants to ping his bosses, and then he's going to go find out what happened. Okay. So, yeah, I guess so. there are two ways you could go. It looks like um, the, like, proper communication bay is on uh, the middle floor. Okay. You do think that you could probably access the communicate. Like, there has to be a way to access the communications from basically any system. Okay. Uh, so you could certainly try to access them from this terminal. Okay. Yeah, I just want to send them a little a little message saying, like, I'm here on the ship, you know? Okay. But status report coming soon, kind of a thing. So yeah, I think uh, I'm not even going to make you necessarily roll for that because it's a pretty okay. standard function of the yeah. system. Oh, and he, uh, he also says, like, please confirm receipt of message. 
Yeah, and I think that's his that's his standard greeting or standard sign off. Yeah. Yeah, I think when you try to send out the message, it sends out without an issue. Huh. All right. Uh, and almost immediately you get a response that says uh, confer- uh, receipt of message confirmed. Cool. And then like an extra note that says something along the lines of like, um, very strange that systems seem operational. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. I'm going to head, uh, I think I'm going to head to the, like the residential floor or whatever you call it. Okay. Where the, where the humans generally chill. Yeah. So it looks like, like I said, there are, uh, doors leading out to the left and right of this bay. Uh, Mm -hmm. and it looks like both of them lead, like when you looked at the map, they both lead into like hallways that kind of wrap around and give access to the general storage rooms before kind of looping around to uh, a set of lifts. Okay. To access the other floors. Okay. Um, I'm just going to pick the one on the left. All right. Uh, you go into there. And so as soon as you go through the door to the left, uh, you see kind of to the left and right, uh, doors that, you know, from looking at the schematics lead to, uh, dry storage. Uh, of you know dried goods and mm-hmm. things that don't require temperature control, and then the hallway goes down maybe about fifty feet and uh, hangs a right, and that's going to lead you down to the lift. All right, uh, I'm going to head over there. Okay, and you go through like you've done this a few times, mm-hmm. and it's it. I think it probably feels a little bit strange because you know this is the time where like the lights would be flickering and like a ship that's having potential like dereliction issues would be creepier. <laughs> okay. And all of the lights work and all of the systems work. So, I mean, you're an Android, so you don't necessarily notice the temperature as much as like you have some kind of sensor that tells you mm-hmm. that it's like perfectly room temperature and the airflow is good. And the air is not like stale in any way. And you hang the right and you head down this like very long hallway that ends in a small room uh, with an elevator door. Hmm. I'm going to head towards the elevator, but I'm also, before I get in, I'm going to whip out my bio scanner. Okay. And just kind of, I want to be aware of, you know, the general area around me in case anything is alive and or moving. Yeah. So when you pull up the bio scanner, I think... The first thing you notice is there's actually a lot more pings oh. than you would have expected. Like I said, like this is a big ship, uh, but it's there's only 50 humans on it. So like mm-hmm. you would expect, you know, somewhere in the general vicinity of 50 pings. Mm-hmm. And how many is he? And as you look at the screen and like, I think the bioscan is probably big enough that it shows you most of the ship. Okay. You see, like, a couple hundred. Oh. Gotcha. Huh. Well, that's troubling. Thank you to Billy Blue for joining me to play Mothership. Thank you to Sean McCoy for designing such an awesome game. And thank you to you for listening. Our theme song is Everybody Knows My Name by Harley Poe. Thank you to Joe Whiteford for letting us use it. Join us on November 17th 
for the next session of Mothership with Billy Blue. Until then, remember that you are strong, you are beautiful, and you are not alone. Cry.